please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Lenny. And I'm Matt. And we survived another week. We did survive. Like, I'm barely hanging in there, though. My oh, yeah. eyes are burning. Really? Yes. You need a nap. Are you going to take a Sunday nap? I don't know. Because we're recording on Sunday. Yeah. Since I, I just told everybody. I don't know. I really don't know. I had to get up early and go to church and sing this morning. And so, and when I say early, like, we had to be there at 630 this morning. And I'm yeah, tired. Early. Heck yeah. For a Sunday, it's early. Right. For the rest of the week, it's not so, not so much. Yeah, it's the norm. Yeah. But, you know, then we had a late night because we babysat the grandbabies, and yeah. I'm just tired. It's all catching up to me. Plus, last Sunday, mm-hmm. I spent the night in the hospital. Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, Super Bowl Sunday. Did you guys catch that halftime show, by the way? It yeah, was awesome. it's pretty good. Yep. Anyway, I spent the night with my daughter. They started inducing her labor, and then we were up. Pretty much all night. So I had gotten up early on that Sunday morning, like, I don't know, six or seven-ish, and gone to church, did that that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Then we came home and got ready for the Super Bowl and chilled for a little while. We recorded last Sunday, too, because we knew that, you know, we had to get this out. And then, you know, last week's episode out and edited, did all that stuff, went to the Super Bowl viewing at my brother's and then <laughs> the viewing <laughs> viewing because i don't know what else to call it, it wasn't really a party it was just right. a very just small a gathering of hang out yeah um watch the super bowl up until uh, right after halftime then i had to take my daughter to the hospital where we checked in they started inducing her and then monday early monday morning really early monday morning and we were up like they started doing everything they could they put like this medicine in her and stuff like that mm-hmm. so the, of course, nurses are coming in every five minutes. There's no getting any. There, you didn't get any sleep. Like I was up. Of course not. Anytime you're at the hospital, they're coming. No, because like, they're in and out, and they're just doing their jobs or whatever. It's sure. not like a hotel or something. But <laughs> right. But when you've been up since six in the morning and you're trying to be there for your daughter and you're tired and you can't get any sleep, but whatever. I knew what it was going to be. Yeah. But then Monday, really early in the morning. They gave her Pitocin to try and get her to start dilating and all this kind of stuff. And her body wasn't responding to it. And she was having a really rough time. Got an epidural. Still tried to, like, we, it was crazy. Like, we had a lot of stuff that happened. And around 4 p.m., they took her in for an emergency C-section. Because the baby's heart rate was dropping and he was now in distress. And so we were a little scared. But she got her C-section. Baby is healthy. He is born. We have a little 
grandson officially now, Caden. Yep. He, he is. He's cute. Home, but you could say he's not an ugly baby because yeah, they are out there. Yeah, but he actually was very, very cute. And yeah. I think because of the C-section and no cone head and all that stuff from <laughs> coming through the birth canal, he's right. he's pretty dang perfect. Um, he was only five pounds fourteen ounces, but he didn't have to go to the NICU. He was breathing on his own, and it was actually pretty pretty good miracle considering that he was a whole month early. Yeah. And, and he's home. He's doing well, but. Back to my lack of sleep. This just kicked it all off because then Monday I came home to take a shower because I hadn't showered and went right back up there to spend the night with her because she didn't want to be alone her first night with him. Plus, she she was just struggling like she had the C-section and, and yeah, there are nurses there to help or whatever, but she didn't trust them. But. That changed because then around 12.45 a.m. when I was like hitting a wall, a serious wall, because it had been, I had been up forever. Um, I And the nurses were, because again, it's a hospital, they were coming in and checking him and checking her and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I have to leave. So I came home almost one in the morning, yep. crawled into bed. I had my shotgun in hand. Luckily, I didn't. <laughs> he didn't. But I could have gotten shot because I did not call him to tell him I was coming home because I didn't want to wake him up. But I, I crawled into bed, and I died until 5 a.m. when I had to get up for work. Mm. Mm. It's a tough life. Yeah. <laughs> it has it's been, been a rough, rough a little week. bit, yeah. Because then on top of that, like Tuesday through last night, we also had the baby, so it's not like I could go to bed uh, early or something and recover. It's just, it's been rough. It's been in a I am constant tired. Constant state of exhaustion. I yes, think, a little bit. Yes. So, but and luckily, here I am. Luckily, we've had these in the queue. Um, as far as these podcast shows, we've had a few done and ready to go. So we everything took, we took the opportunity of the time now of course a few weeks ago when we weren't able to do the podcast because we had a lot of things going on and changes but at least we were able to we were for that we were able to write and get stuff in and done right so that's a plus yeah i've been very thankful for that because then i don't have to sit and work on work on episodes at the same time as taking care of the babies and the things that we're doing like mm-hmm. yeah but hey we're here, and this mm-hmm. one's a pretty good episode, I think. This yeah. one's a famous, 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 long, long in the running of mysteries. Yeah. It is famous in the long, like, it's a For mystery. A yeah. <clears throat> I, I was telling Matt before we came in here to record, I, I feel like since this 2022 has started, we've been really zeroing in on unsolved mysteries. And not intentionally. It's just been kind of happening that happening. way. Yeah. yeah. I... I'm like, oh, let's talk about this one or let's talk about that one. And they seem to be all unsolved. So it's kind of throwing me off, but it's I, I accept the challenge. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I can't tell you about the murderer's life and why they ended up the way they are, which uh, I really liked uh, to do that those. part. But yeah. but these stories are, are great, too. So well, anyway, a nice little change every once in a while, except that we've been doing this. Pretty much the whole year so far. And I know it's only February. Like, seriously, it's not even like we're far into 2022. And yeah. it's not like June and we're still doing unsolved right. stuff. But right. but still, I, I'm we, we're going to have to talk about something that's solved soon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, today is the Black Dahlia. So let's talk about the victim. 
in this case because that's all we really can that's do. All we, that's what we got to start with. Right, because we person. don't know who actually did this. They, well, we'll get we'll into get it. We'll get some speculations, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've talked about in other podcasts a little bit briefly, too, like when we've True. mentioned the Black Dahlia. Uh-huh. And I think actually in the last episode we talked about one of the ones that the Root of Evil podcast and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know. Everything is running together. We might have talked talked about it a couple episodes ago, but either way, Black Dahlia is Elizabeth Short, and she was born. This let me just preface this by saying this chick had not the best life, and it's really sad that she died at such a young age. Mm. But yeah, Elizabeth Short was born in July of 1924 in Medford, Massachusetts. Her parents were Phoebe and Cleo Short, and she had four sisters. Her father was known to have a quick temper and drink a lot, but he earned a good living building many golf courses. So that was actually a plus, you know. Back then, that was probably a little bit more popular thing to do. Right, right. The The family lived a pretty good life until the Great Depression hit. And then yeah. the family's businesses went bankrupt, as as many of them did back then, right. you know, during that time. Well, and you too, you can't see a lot of people going, oh, you know what? We got extra money. Let's go play some mini golf. They're right. not going to go do not that. Not during the Depression, no. no. And unfortunately, though, because they had like so this was their business Mm -hmm. building mini golf course, mini golf courses. Yeah. um, They incurred debt that they had probably anticipated they'd be able to pay off until the Great Depression. You know, sure. So they had all this debt and the father like totally lost his mind when this happened. And he basically abandoned like he, he dipped. So one day. His car is found abandoned by a bridge, and it was believed that at that time that he had committed suicide by jumping off this bridge, leaving behind his wife to handle the bankruptcy, the debt, raise the girls without any type of income, which led to a life of poverty. Mm, That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. That is bad. Well, it gets worse, though, because it turns out this guy did not commit suicide. Okay. But Elizabeth's mom, Phoebe, she worked as a part-time bookkeeper, and basically lived on welfare. And every Sunday, Elizabeth and her younger sister Meredith would go to town and get free milk. And they wore free clothing provided by the county, which I don't think they do anymore in welfare. No. But apparently they did in the 1920s. Oh, but they, they wore this free clothing provided by the county. And it all looked the same. So everyone knew they were on welfare. It was like oh, a walking billboard sign. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. So Meredith... Her younger sister later recalled that it was humiliating. Even though she was so young that she shouldn't remember it, she does remember it. Yeah. She remembered being just totally humiliated because people knew. And even though, even through all of this, the one luxury the family enjoyed every Sunday was to go to the theater, though. Like, their mom set aside money and said, we're going to go to the theater every every week. Okay, well, that's good. So Elizabeth, she would get dressed up for it every week because this was a, a big deal for them. And she used this time to escape the poverty they lived in. And this also started to motivate her to become an actress. It, oh, it started becoming her dream. It goes. Yeah. I yeah. can see this. So her family ended up living in a very small house where she shared a sunroom as a bedroom with her younger sister, Meredith. And she was also known to tell stories to her high school friends based on the movies that she would watch on these Sunday outings. And she would make up these really glamorous stories for them. Okay. So she, yeah, like, but I think it's like her way of stepping out of her real life. Yeah, it's the escape. 
Right. For sure. So she also told them that she was leaving Medford as soon as she could to go to Hollywood and become a star. So she starts telling everybody this is her dream. Mm -hmm. Her friends remember her as being a very beautiful girl. And she didn't she didn't have a boyfriend, but she did go, go on a lot of dates. And when she would come home, she would sit and tell her mom all about her night out because she and her mom were very close. Okay. So little round table discussions. Yeah, maybe, you know, like this is what we did tonight, yeah, you know. So like they it. had a good bond. That's good. And then suddenly one day, Cleo Short comes back to life. Uh-oh. I know it's crazy, right? Oh, Cleo. What really happened was that he had gotten so stressed out about their finances and not being able to rev- provide for his family that he just left. Like I said, he he comes back though. He apologizes for abandoning them. He tells his wife he moved to Vallejo, California, and never even he never even wrote to them that he was alive and well. Like he just totally fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. Um for years. And everything for this guy. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Like she thought he was dead. Yeah. And you know, the whole time Phoebe has been doing everything she could to provide for her family and move on with her life. So when when he comes home. She's pissed off. Oh, sure. She's like, you've been alive this whole time. Mm-hmm. I've been struggling to raise our, our kids, and you're off in a whole other state across the country, Medford, Massachusetts, East Coast, you know, and oh, yeah. he's all the way in the West Coast. Can like, you imagine, though, though, back then, that during that time frame, where you could just leave and it's hard for people to find you? No, you leave. because everyone's so easy with, to find now well, with tracking yeah, on their phones yeah, and stuff. I can't imagine what that's like. Private investigators and yeah, yeah. so on and so forth. So he comes home and he's like, can I move? Can I move back home? You know, and she's like, no. <laughs> Phoebe straight up says no. And I don't blame her good, either. Good. I would have been like, hell no. Right. I don't need no man's. <laughs> like I've been making it. On, yeah, I don't need I've you. I've been doing this. Yeah. I mean, we go to the movies every Sunday, so. But this didn't, <laughs> this didn't seem to bother her, though. Okay. And so he's, or, or bother him. It doesn't seem to bother him. So he tells uh-huh. her, you know, he won't contact her again. And he, he just goes, goes back to way. California. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, okay, deuces then. I, I won't come home. Hmm. Right? Could you imagine? Well, yeah, good riddance. Like, if he was a decent man, he probably would have stayed in Medford and tried to make it up. Or at least tried to help her support their kids. But he just... He just went back to California. All right. Take care then. Right. My gosh. Piece of shit. But Elizabeth, and I'm sure everyone in the family, was obviously shocked to find out that her dad was alive and well. And instead of being angry, though, Elizabeth saw him as her ticket out of Medford. And she was like, he's already in California. Right. So she contacts him and asks if she she could come live with him in Vallejo, and mm-hmm. he agrees to let her. Okay. So he sends her the money to move, and she leaves. She goes to California with her dad. Mm. The agreement between the two of them when she got to California was that she could stay if she kept house for him. So basically, you can stay here. Even though you're my daughter, you can stay here and cook and clean and do the laundry and everything else that keeping my house involves. While I go to work. Okay. Which to me is crap. Like I get giving your kids some chores to do. Sure. But she's your child and you've bailed on her for years. And Mm -hmm. now you're going to be like, yeah, Yeah. you can move here. I'll send you the money. Oh, and when you get there. Oh, but by the way, you're my maid now. Right. You're just my slave. Yeah. But Elizabeth soon gets bored with her daily routine. She starts sleeping all day and going out all night, which pisses off her dad 
Like he gets mad about this. And mm-hmm. an argument one day happens and he throws her out of the house. And he he told police later that he didn't want anything else to do with his family. Like okay. he's like, I don't he's want like, I'm just I'm done. Yeah, I'm washing my hands of all of them. Wow. Okay. I know he's a great guy, right? Yeah, he is. And later when she was when she was when she was dead, mm-hmm. He he was very uncooperative with the yeah, murder investigation. Yeah, he just totally separated himself from all of it. Yeah, and he had when he staged his suicide or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He really had just dumped his family, and mm-hmm. I don't even know why he bothered to go back to Medford and say, "Can I come home?" Like to me, this guy just had no intention of staying. Mm. But after being kicked out of her dad's house, Elizabeth moved around for a while and eventually landed a job as a waitress at. Camp Cook, which is now Vandenberg Air Force Base near Santa Barbara. Okay. She had dyed her hair black, which emphasized her blue eyes and pale skin, and she spent most of her money on new clothes. Um, henna, which I think was part of the makeup they used back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would even go without food while she was there because, or you know, because it was more important for her to look good. Okay. Like she would starve herself oh, wow. if she couldn't afford it. She would rather spend her money on uh, on, on makeup good. and yeah. hair and clothes. She had an, uh, an attraction to military men. I don't blame her. Hey. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so working on the base was no accident. And she she did draw a lot of attention because she was she was very pretty girl. She mm-hmm. she was even voted camp cutie by the men on the base. Yeah, which is so funny because they used to do that. Yeah. They used to have that. I know. But now that that's not gonna fly. Oh no, you could not. <laughs> you could not do that nowadays. No. But yeah, they did this back yeah. then, and she was voted Camp Cutie. Mm-hmm. She eventually moved on from Camp Cook and ended up in Southern California, where she met an officer named Gordon Fickling and started dating him. She was a huge flirt though, and that irritated Gordon. Plus, he was pretty sure she was still dating other men, so their their relationship only lasted a few weeks before he ended up breaking it off. Yeah. She was pretty young, though, so that makes oh, sense. Yeah. And when she was 19 years old, she was arrested for underage drinking in a club while she was out on a date. So if any of you guys out there have seen the mug shot of Elizabeth Short, that's what it's for. Oh, she was underage drinking, okay. and she's out on a date. Could you imagine getting arrested while oh, on, a on a date, date because you're underage drinking? I, thought it, I wonder what the drinking allowance or the age was. It had to have been 21 by then. She was 19. Yeah, but for so long, I mean, even up through the 70s, it depends on the state. It was still oh. like at 18. Well, I don't legal. know. She was so, 19 and she got yeah she got done for underage drinking. So mm. apparently there, you weren't allowed to drink. Yeah. But after a while, she traveled to several other, other states, including Illinois, specifically Chicago. She traveled to Florida and then back to Massachusetts and her family. So she did go home for a little while. Mm-hmm. And along these travels, she met another officer named Matthew Gordon, which I thought was funny because her first boyfriend is Gordon Fickling. Yeah. And then she's got Matthew Gordon. Mm-hmm. Something with Gordon's there. But they were instantly in love and they got into a serious relationship. Okay. I, I don't know about this instantly in love thing, but yeah. he did propose. She accepted. And a week later, he was sent to India to test their airplanes for, for war. For the war. Okay. And while he was gone, Elizabeth wrote to him regularly, and she wrote to Matthew's family, even though she hadn't ever met them, just to stay in touch. And, you know, his sister would write to her, too. That's cool. So 
that I mean, that was correspondence back then. Sure. But one day she gets a telegram from his family saying that Matthew had died in a plane crash the day before he was set to come back home oh, to America. Man. Yeah. Could you imagine? That yeah. would just be devastating. Right. And because she was devastated, she leaves Massachusetts. She's like, well, I'm going to get out of here. She goes to Miami, Florida. And if that would have never happened, Elizabeth Short may still have been alive. We probably would never have the Black Dahlia. Right. We wouldn't be able to do this podcast today. Nope. Right? So Elizabeth, um, when she moves to Miami, this is the last time her mom and sisters would ever see her again. So she, devastated by the loss of her fiancé, moving around again, she ends up meeting up with her ex-boyfriend, Gordon Fickling, again. And they get back together, move in together, which was like a huge deal back like then. Like no, you don't, you don't, do, you don't that. do that before marriage right, back then. Right. So it was very controversial. Um, after only a few weeks, though, they got into an argument and he throws her out of his his apartment. He's like kicks her to the curb a couple okay. of weeks. This is why you don't go back to exes. If it didn't work the first time, it's probably what not going to work make, the second. Think it's going to work the second time, right? You know, typically not. Most, Most likely, likely not. Likely not. I mean, I know there are those very few mm-hmm. stories you hear out there about, right. like, we know two couples who got divorced and then remarried each other later, and, yeah. and it's worked. But right. that is, I think... Far and few between. Yeah. <laughs> a rarity. So, she's met, she meets a new friend around this time who was also from Medford, Massachusetts, named Marjorie Graham, which I think is kind of coincidental that mm-hmm. you're both from the same yeah. same hometown but in different states and they decide to move to california together to try to become stars so they must have really bonded if you're going to move from florida to california mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. when they get to hollywood they moved into an apartment with a few other women who were also trying to make their dreams come true and this was a typical setup in los angeles because the women were more able to make rent when they shared the responsibility sure. back then for a little while Marjorie and Elizabeth shared a room with a 17-year-old girl named Samantha who had said she was 21, and Elizabeth and Samantha didn't like each other at all. So Elizabeth ends up moving out, and Marjorie ends up moving out shortly after that and moving back to Medford. Oh, wow. Yeah. Elizabeth, though, she moves in with seven other females. Like, she finds a whole other apartment. Oh, okay. So I thought, again, they, like, Elizabeth moved back to Medford. No, no, her friend. It was just her friend. Yeah, just her friend. So Elizabeth moved out, and so Marjorie's like, well, I'm out. I'm going to go back home. Yeah, okay. So Elizabeth's moved in with seven other females. Some of these women were models, actresses, and one of them worked for Max Factor, which is kind of cool. But Elizabeth was unemployed, and she would occasionally find work as a waitress somewhere. Many times the rent would come due and the landlord would come around to collect the $1 per week rent and she would leave oh. to avoid him because she didn't have the money. Wow. She didn't have a dollar a week. Isn't that wild? It, what's wild is how much it's changed mm-hmm. in the over these years. Mm-hmm. Like you you owed a dollar a, a week. Dollar. That's $4 a month yeah. in rent. Yeah. And you couldn't make that? Right. Like That's, that to me is so hard to fathom. I, I don't get it. No, but that was that was what it was like back then. You know, mm-hmm. this is probably when you could buy cigarette pack for 50 cents or something. Or yeah. Probably cheaper. I don't right. know. 25 cents. Yeah. But anyway, so she finally found steady work at a nightclub club called the Florentine Gardens. It was a club where celebrities, military men, and even members of the mafia would hang out. And Elizabeth adored this because 
of the celebrity clientele. She wants to be a Hollywood star. So yeah. she's like, heck yeah, celebs come in here. Right. And she was also known to frequent a club called Tom Brenneman's. The owner of the Florentine Gardens was Mark Hansen, and he was known to provide jobs to any beautiful women who came looking for a job. So basically, if you're, you're good looking, he's going to hire you. He would hire them as showgirls in the club, whether they had experience or not. And he was said to have told police that he thought Elizabeth would have been beautiful if it weren't for her teeth. Apparently, she put wax on the back of her teeth to mm -hmm. act as fillings because she didn't have good dental care. Uh, but she grew up poor, yeah. so it makes sense that she wouldn't have mm -hmm. good dental yeah. stuff. Anyway, he also said he felt sorry for her, and he was known to, to give girls who were down on their luck a place to stay if they needed it. And Elizabeth was a recipient of this kindness at one point. She got to stay with him. But later I found out that they actually had a, a relationship too. So I wondered if he was really like that kind-hearted guy mm -hmm. or if he was like, if you hook up with oh, me yeah. or if you date me, um, you can stay. Sure. Like, I don't or know. Or his kindness just revolt. It, it was all manipulation. Yeah. 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 And it, it rose some questions. But while Elizabeth worked for the Florentine Gardens, she dated two henchmen of Mafia Kingpin Mickey Cohen, as well as a, a ton of military men. She was popping around men. She would also hop into cars and allow men to take her to dinner, especially since she was always hungry. Because remember, she spent all her money on, <laughs> yeah. on her clothes or makeup clothes and, and makeup not paying and her dollar rent. Right. Since she was really naive and trusting, she never even considered that her affiliation with the mob wasn't a good thing. Like, she... She just was that ditzy. I, yeah. I picture that she was just this ditzy girl who was just, you know, like, I don't know. What do they call that? Um, Hanging by a thread or right. something. Yeah, and, yeah. and you're just just winging it just every day. Wherever the wind takes you. Yeah. yeah. But she eventually stops working there. She does move in with the owner. And while she's staying with him, she met and became good friends with um, actress Ann Toth. I try. I'm not sure who she is. Yeah, I don't know. She she took occasional modeling jobs to earn some money, but nothing was steady because there was so much competition out there. Which hello, it's L.A. Yes. She was, however, very aware of men's attraction to her, so she would strut down the street in tight fitting skirts and high heels, eliciting honks and whistles from men passing <laughs> by. And this attention would lead to gifts of free dinner and money that she would use for rent from men she didn't know. Okay. So she would just take this. I mean, she's not a prostitute or anything. She's yeah. not giving them favors. She's letting them buy her dinner, though, and, yeah. you know, parade her around on right. their arm for a night. Yeah. And she's getting paid for it. In the search for her dreams. And can I just back up and say that? I would, I would do the same. I'm not... I'm not having sex with you. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Just, mm -hmm. I'm not a prostitute. Mm -hmm. If you want to ask me if I want to go to dinner with you for an evening and you're going to buy me dinner and pay me. Yeah. I'm going to get in your car too. Yeah. I'm 19. Right. And I need to make rent. Yes. You know, I get it. Yeah. I, I would do the same, but so in the search for her dreams, she did go to auditions for movies, but she never made it to screen tests which I have never auditioned for anything like that in my life, so I don't know what that means. Do do they, like, do you know anything about this? Do they, like... Not too much. I mean, I just know they'll they'll go to these auditions and they'll bring it down to people to do screen tests where they're actually... Putting them on film uh, to see if they possibly. were... Possibly. 
Yeah, I don't. I, like I said, I'm pretty ignorant to it too. But yeah. I know that's it's elimination pool down to like okay, we've got three people that we're gonna bring the screen test. Oh, and they do that, and it may be yeah, it may be more um, lines from the movie, and actually yeah, looking at them on screen. I don't know. I yeah, I I mean I really don't know, but she never made it to that round. She was just one beautiful face in a sea of beautiful faces, you know, all chasing mm-hmm. the same di- yeah. same dream. Right. So she was soon kicked out of Mark's house when he found out she was still dating other men. But three days, she moved back in and was kicked out the very next day when she found out that he was seeing another woman. They got into a fight. So this is where I was saying the owner of the Florentine Gardens, like, Mm -hmm. I think he had ulterior motives. Oh, yeah. Like, big time ulterior motives to helping these girls. Anne Toth, the actress that she made friends with, helped her find a new place to live, though, and loaned her money to pay her first and last month's rent. Okay. Which is really, really nice of her. Mm-hmm. And Mark had tried to find Elizabeth again, but he couldn't. And Anne wouldn't tell him where she lived. And the funny thing is, it turns out that she was staying in an apartment complex who was owned by him. Oh, and wow. And he didn't even know it. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, he had other people, someone managing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Talk about hiding right under, you know, oh, hiding yeah. in plain sight, right, right under your nose. That's funny. Eventually, they did resolve their differences, and she would even visit him at his home later on. But at first, it was it was not so friendly. And she was growing increasingly more and more depressed by her new apartment, the people who lived there, and that she wasn't making any type of progress in her career. So mm-hmm. she's she's getting a lull. Sad. Like, hey, I'm doing all these auditions. I'm not getting. Any, I'm not getting any anywhere. Work. I think yeah. at that point, I'd probably be like, well, sure. it's time for me to find a career. Yeah. This isn't going to work out. Yeah. But as you can see, Elizabeth's entire life was just hard and sad. She, and, but she was a fighter. In my opinion, I have to give her props on this. Like, you're, she was still going for she's what she trying, wanted. Still trying. Yeah. And doing it and going yeah. for what she wanted. Yeah. And, and I you, think so too. you can't be negative to anyone who's, who's sticking to their goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. at some point, I do think you have to walk away. If it's not turning out the way you wanted it, right. but at least you're giving it everything you can. Right. And I and I would say that at this point in her life, she's probably still like, I think it's good that she's sticking it out and mm-hmm. she's giving it a try because yeah. she's still young. But then on Saturday, April 15th, 1947, a woman named Betty Bersinger was taking a walk with her three-year-old daughter. She was walking by a vacant lot and noticed what looked like a nude mannequin in a lewd pose thrown off to the side that was very white. She immediately went to a nearby house where she called police, asking them to come get it so that it didn't scare children who were walking to school the next week. Oh. You know, she's looking out for the general public in, sure. this, in this way. Sure. So after she makes this phone call, though, she's wondering about her discovery, thinking it was strange that someone would just put a mannequin out in this vacant lot. Mm-hmm. So she goes back. The press arrives before the police did and were stunned by what they found. It was not a mannequin. It was the, the naked murdered woman. And back then, press could easily intercept police calls and would often get to scenes before the police did. And a female crime reporter told police when they arrived, quote, I don't think we'll be able to publish pictures of this one, end quote. Wow. Yeah, she was, well. Oh, it wasn't good. No. So it was Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth's entire body had been drained of blood, and this is why she appeared to be so white. Her internal organs remained inside of her body, but her intestines had been partly removed from her lower side. She had been, Gosh. or cut in half. Yeah. Um, 
but on the lower part, the intestines had been removed, partially removed and tucked underneath her bottom. Mm -hmm. Her stomach was full of feces, leading many people to believe that she had been forced to eat it before she was killed. Oh. Yeah. She had suffered days of torture, and she had been burned with cigarettes, slashed on her breasts and face with a knife, and a rose tattoo had been cut off of her thigh, and pieces of flesh had been cut off of her breast. Um, she had what, what was called a Glasgow smile. Yes. That's where the corners of your mouth are cut with That's, a knife, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, she had been beaten in the head until the flesh was ripped up to her ears. Like, they... That is terrible. That is if horrible. If you're beaten so bad that your flesh is peeling off. Yeah, that's bad. Um, her lower jaw fell open when the tendons and muscles were cut. So if you can picture that, mm -hmm. she's just, her jaw's hanging. Yeah. Um, and the Glasgow smile had gained its name from a, just like a little tidbit here, had mm -hmm. gained its name from a street gaming gang in Glasgow, Scotland. Who used this form of torture, and it's also called a Chelsea grin when a rival gang in Chelsea, England started using it as well. So <laughs> that's where we get the name of it. But she had been mutilated, just totally. Could yeah, you even imagine? That's horrible. And this poor lady, just taking a walk with her baby, sees this. Mm -hmm. But of Luckily, course, she was, was far enough away. away that she didn't like see see what was yeah. going on. But she did. I'm glad that she called it in. Personally. Oh, yeah. Before some other or kids come yeah. up upon that. Well, you know, whatever. nowadays, if if you saw a mannequin, what you thought's a mannequin laying in an empty lot, are you going to call the police? I'm not. Yeah. I'm just going to keep going and be like, I don't know why people are dumping their garbage over there. Yeah. She called in and it turns out to be a body. So maybe I wouldn't now that I know that. Maybe I would, <laughs> maybe I would walk over there and be like, is that a mannequin? Right. <laughs> so... The coroner eventually determined that her cause of death was severe blood loss from the Glasgow smile cut and the beating in her head. So she is awake while she's being burned, while she's being cut and sliced. Mm -hmm. And and just this cut in your lip is what makes you bleed to death. Yeah. Everything and the and the beating. Like right. you're beat so bad around the head. It's terrible. One other possible cause of death was an internal hemorrhage on the outside of her skull where she had been beaten with a blunt object. Mm -hmm. But again, it's all right there in yeah. the same. Yeah. And it's thought that she was either unconscious or dead by the time she was cut in half. We're hoping that she was unconscious or dead by the time that she was cut in half. And that the killer either drained her body in his bathtub or a cellar that had a drainage system. And they know that she was not killed at the site that she was dumped because there was no blood. Her remains had been identified by sending copies of her fingerprints to the FBI. Since she had worked on a military base, they were able to identify her quickly uh, as Elizabeth Short. Yeah. And the FBI also had a copy of her mugshot from her arrest when she was underage drinking that they supplied to the press. And okay. that's why the that's press the picture that, like put that said. picture out. Yeah. Okay. It's like one of the most popular pictures when you Google Elizabeth Short. That's one of the ones that pops up first. Okay. So police decided that the killer had to have uh, an anatomical knowledge since the bisection had been very clean and done between vertebrae rather than through them. They thought it was possibly a doctor, butcher, or funeral embalmer. They investigated for months, knocking on 5,000 doors and following 10,000 leads. Wow. Yeah. 
They had 50 confessions that they were able to determine were all false confessions. One of them was even a woman. Isn't that crazy that you would even... Why would you even want to... I understand for the notoriety, for the fame, I get that. But why would you want to put yourself into a position where you go to prison or on the exactly. death for the rest of your life? It's crazy. Exactly. Like, I, I don't get that. I don't get that either because you want to insert yourself into an investigation. Mm-hmm. Find a better way than doing a false confession because like you just pointed out yeah. what if your false confession leads to you being convicted right of a crime you did not commit yeah. do you really want to throw your life down the hole like eh, that no. i don't i uh, i don't know i've never understood false confessions either but mm-hmm. they happened in this case i understand them for the crazies that are already caught and they're already been in prison Wanting just a little bit more fame again, be brought up again, just for kicks, yeah, just maybe. to mess with the police, even though you know you didn't do it. I see that. Um, even that baffles me. Oh, like, well, like, sure. But I'm just saying, I can, yeah. I see that, I understand that mindset of somebody more than just if you're out free, why right. would you even put yourself in that position? Exactly. Yeah, I don't get that uh, at all. I don't know. So, a prominent doctor named George Hodel was a suspect as well as a salesman named Richard Manley, who was the last man to be seen with her at the Biltmore Hotel, which is where she was staying when she was killed. Yeah. So Manley had a strong alibi and passed two separate polygraphs. So he was ruled out as a suspect, which left George Hodel. He he became the prime suspect. Okay. His 16-year-old daughter sued him for incest. And the jury ended up finding him not guilty, but it was later believed that his daughter was pregnant by him. So okay. this just goes to show you that patriarchal like favor back uh-huh. then. Uh-huh. But she had she ended up having an abortion. Also, currently, his own son, Stephen Hodel, believes his father was the Black Dahlia killer. He published at least one account that he of what he believes are indisputable connections between his father and Elizabeth Short. His own wife however, supported him, telling police that she couldn't believe they were trying to tie him to the murder and that he didn't know Elizabeth and she had never visited their home. But there is a podcast based on Stephen's book called The Root of Evil that I highly recommend. That podcast is based on his book. And he is very convinced that his dad, George Hodel, did this. Yeah. And I figure if he was a suspect in the beginning, he's a doctor all of this he stuff fits, is lining up. It, yeah. And then his son is coming out with his own evidence and right. stuff. Like I'm That'd be interesting to listen to that podcast. It's good. You hmm. should check it out. There was another one last week that you told me I need to listen to too. And you didn't? Don't have it yet. Hmm. Put it on the list. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so her ex boyfriend, Gordon Fickling, was also investigated, but he was soon ruled out when it was proven he wasn't even near Los Angeles when she went missing. He was even able to provide friendly letters that he and Elizabeth had exchanged only weeks after she had moved out of his apartment in Miami. And it was proven that he had even sent her money when she needed it. So he, he was ruled out. Mm -hmm. There were other suspects, including a transient with a criminal history, but police were unable to solve this case in the end. Um, Mark Hansen, the guy who owned the Florentine gardens that she worked at. Yeah. He had gotten involved by getting a team together to try to find her killer, but had no success. However, even though he did this, he had a low opinion of her, describing her as a hooker and being promiscuous, but it was thought that she was actually a virgin when she died. The press didn't help 
Either they smeared her name in the headlines and singled her out as a poor person who was always drawing men in to feed herself and pay her bills, Mm -hmm. which is true to a point because she didn't have our priorities right. You know, but the press are the ones who even gave her the nickname of the Black Dahlia because they said she always wore black sheer clothing, which was not true. She actually always favored pink and light blue colored clothing, but the press was relentless in tearing her apart, which makes me sick because this poor girl was like, she had the worst life anyway, Mm -hmm. and even worse death. Like, could you imagine being tortured, made to eat your own feces, things like that before you're brutally and horribly murdered? Right. I, to the press, what, what, what were they going after? I mean, besides getting readers, I, I can't. To, I can't even tell you. They like, had to be on the side of these, you know, the guy that owned the club, more popular people around the area that painted her in that picture. I don't know. And all I just, do, all I do know, is that it makes me sick that the media would smear a victim mm-hmm. the way that they did. But yeah, they did. Yeah. And they they got um, the Black Dahlia from a movie that was released around that same time called The Blue Dahlia. And that's where they they came up with the black Dahlia because uh, they made her wear black and all, you know, she had black hair and all this kind of right. stuff. But she didn't wear all black and stuff. But some media made her out to be a prostitute and some said she was a lesbian, only teasing men for food and money. Like they were doing everything they could to slander wow. this poor girl. Jeez. Yeah. And, and what that makes she... police not want to investigate because they're reading that thing going, why am I doing that? Right. You know, I mean, yeah. he, we see that time and time again. I can't even imagine what her last few days were like, but for the press to smear her the way they did, mm-hmm. just uh, like it, it was just like her whole life, yeah. including after death mm-hmm. for a while. It, it's sad. When her mom came to identify her body, she told the press that she didn't understand why they were saying the, th- the things they were uh, they were saying about her daughter, that she was a, a good girl. And letters between Elizabeth and her mother showed that Elizabeth had lied to her mom saying she was getting small roles in films, but that was so that she didn't worry about her. Sure. She was doing it to protect her mom from yeah. worrying. And she never mentioned any of her financial issues or anything, always stating that she was happy. That and the, she wants to make, make her family think she's doing well. Like right, she's getting, like, like put them doing, at ease. Or, and like as an impressive thing too. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, that, yeah. I could see that too. Because like, oh, I mean, you're. It. And then her mom's telling all her little friends around there. Like, she's oh, yeah. Starting... Yeah, mean, that's uh, true. I see yeah. that side too. Like, I give mean, give your mom something to brag about, sure. even though there's nothing to brag about. Yeah. But this this case is probably never going to be solved. Um, it's still fascinating, you know. And that's, I mean, that's it. That's the story. That's a sad, sad story of Elizabeth Short, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Like, so the root of evil, that podcast, is it get is it pretty good with the uh, alarming things? Uh, pointing to yes yeah and it's got a lot of his um not just george it's not just steven hodell talking on Uh it it's like interviews with his family members and other people who george hodell was um friends with and things like that talking about Mm -hmm. they're pretty sure he also killed the black dahlia wow yeah and it goes into the incest accusations it goes into like how he was at home Mm -hmm. um his connections to elizabeth short that his mom denied and things like that like it's it's actually a really good podcast. That's good. Yeah, okay. go check it out. Was there, well, too, the, they talk about George Hodel had possibly killed other women, or does uh, it really point to any of that? It's honestly, just focused more on remember. Elizabeth. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. yeah. 
I was just curious. I'll yeah. have to check it out, and yes. then I can kill my curiosity. There How you about go. That? Go listen. So All right. That's it, though. So, uh, like uh, the wifey said, um, more than likely never to be solved, but we'll see by more folks putting out podcasts and people really kind of diving in and trying to check DNA and, and what have you, whatever. But right. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, it's been out there for so long, it's probably not going to be Yeah, it's probably never going to be solved. But it is fascinating um, just to hear the story. Uh, let us know what you think by contacting us at wickednesstruecrime at yahoo.com. Check us out on our website at wickednesstruecrimeintheunknown.com and follow us on Instagram at wickednesstruecrime. Check us out on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness where you can support us if you feel like it by clicking on that support button. Also, rate and review us so we can get our podcast out to more people just like you. And thank you for supporting us so far and for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.